just when I've begun to get myself together, you walk right in the door, just like you've done before, and wrap my heart round your little When I'm about to make it work without you You look into my eyes And lie those pretty eyes And pretty soon I'm wondering Good evening and welcome to Open the Business here on NLive Radio 106.9 FM, also available live digitally at nliveradio.com. That's www.nliveradio.com. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university with the perfect face for radio, and you're just listening to Dolly Parton with Here You Go Again. I guess I always sing Here We Go Again, but Here You Go Again, and hopefully you are with us for the duration of the show, between now um, 7 o'clock and 9 p.m. indeed. We've got some lovely music, specially curated just for you, and some lovely guests too. With what this week is an all-female lineup, um, we will be hearing from Fiona Baker, Councillor Fiona Baker, who is a member of the West Northampton um, Cabinet as part of the series interviewing all the councillors with cabinet responsibilities. We'll be talking to Rian Williams um, from Be Better Known, a PR marketing agency, and uh, this occasion she's promoted herself and got national attention uh, from one of her TikTok films. And we'll also be talking my guest, Joe Gordon, the CEO of the Royal and Durngate and also the core at the Q- uh, Corby Cube. So plenty of action. Now, my first guest is Joe, Joe Gordon from the Royal and Durngate, and just coming towards the end of the panto season, and this year it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So I can't think of a better song than this one, really, to um, to 
play just before we welcome Joe to the show. It is Hey Ho uh, about no Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. If you dig, dig, dig with a shovel or a pick. In a mine, in a mine, in a mine, in a mine, where a million diamonds shine. We dig, 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 from early on to night. We dig, 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 dig up everything I'm delighted to welcome back someone's been on the show gosh far too long ago and um is really played an important part in the christmas for northampton and northamptonshire and throughout the year indeed and it is a big warm welcome to the ceo of both the the core um corby cube and the of course the royal and Durngate, both jewels in the crown in northamptonshire uh, joe gordon joe welcome back to the show uh firstly how happy new year and how are you have you had a good christmas happy new year adrian thanks for having me on yeah um Really good Christmas. Thank you. Yeah, both um, personally and professionally, but professionally especially. We've had a very, very busy, very Christmassy uh, festive period with pantomimes in both venues, both in Northampton and Corby, both doing absolutely brilliant business and seeing it always gives me such a thrill to see so many um, people, some people having their very first theatre experience, um, but kind of leaving, having, you know, had a real belly laugh and a real wow. I, I I kind of can't believe pantomimes today. They're such big scale shows. And I think that kind of people sometimes underestimate. They think, oh, local panto. But you kind of go go out absolutely buzzing with them. You know, the comedy and how lavish they all are. And that's certainly true of both of ours this year. I even I even had a little weep in Corby because it was Cinderella and 
the point of which Cinderella turned from her rags to riches was really quite special in Corby. So um, brought a little tear to the eye, it did. But um, yeah, great. As I say, great to see so many children and young people especially enjoying themselves over Christmas. And playing to pretty full houses then, yes? Yeah, really good, actually. We're really pleased. Um, You know, it's always a challenge because of the cost of living crisis, because of all the other pressures on um, kind of people's um, spending habits at the moment. We know that, you know, coming to a Christmas show is a is an undertaking for a family and there's lots of other options be it ice skating or going to Hyde Park for Winter Wonderland and things lots of people are doing other things with their money so we're kind of aware we need to stay competitive and make sure that that experience is is top notch and and it's been really pleasing really really pleasing year apparently it's true of Panto across the country talking to all my peers it really does feel like um, lots of people are supporting their local theatres by going out to Panto um enjoying themselves and it's it's such an important time for the sector it's such a big deal christmas in terms of us um kind of being sustainable um so it's brilliant brilliant to hear from so many peers that you know everybody across the board seems to have had a a positive year oh good indeed and are these home produced or do you just host you know um troops ensembles that have put something together so in corby it was a completely visiting show so they brought it in though there was a local director that worked on it um who fantastic director called sam monday webb who um works out of northamptonshire um and it's a co-production in uh northampton with a company called evolution and that basically means you know there's some roles that we'll do some elements of the production we'll do and then some elements which they'll completely bring with them they are absolutely the panto experts so um in terms of the staging of it, in terms of the script writing, they did all of that. But our wardrobe department, for example, made all those spectacular costumes that everybody saw on stage. We had one of our um, team company managing it, which sort of means looking after it, looking after all the um, actors and the creatives and everything during the rehearsal process. So real, real team effort, but, you know, means we get that extra kick when we see it on stage, when we've had so much to so much to do behind the scenes with it. Yeah, indeed. Now, the Royal Durngate is certainly one of, the, well, I would say the top 15 theatres in the country. And it is a, a producing as well as a, a hosting theatre. Um, so, you know, A, am I right in terms of the, that, that positioning? Uh, and B, um, you are doing a lot of your own productions. So what have we got coming up in the next 12 months? You're absolutely right, Adrian. Thank you so much. Um, yes, yeah, so we um, mostly produce shows in the Royal though have done a few on the Durngate stage at that at that sort of larger um, scale as well. And in fact, one of the shows that we created um, last year uh, was an Agatha Christie called And Then There Were None. And unfortunately, because of our challenges with rack concrete and the fact we had to be closed, it meant that the show, even though we completely built it um, in our workshops, um, our scenic artists painted it all, we did all of the costuming, it was actually never able to run in Northampton. Um, but it has since gone on to 23, it's on a 23 venue tour and it comes back to Milton Keynes in a couple of weeks. So there's quite a team of us going down to Milton Keynes to see it in action, which will be a real thrill because we didn't get to do it in Northampton. But yeah, lots of, I mean, the team at the moment are building the set for Frogs, which is a brilliant collaboration with Spy Monkey coming up in a few weeks time. So they are currently transporting the set from the workshop into the backstage area and building it on the stage ready for technical rehearsals um to start we've also had a community chorus believe it or not of tap dancing frogs 
<laughs> who have been in rehearsal for some weeks. Um, so they're putting the finishing touches to their elements and they'll be coming into those technical rehearsals as well um, with the professional actors to, um, gosh, it's 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 a very silly but kind of quite brilliantly funny show. But um, yeah, the tap dancing frogs <laughs> add something really quite unique. Um, yeah. But yeah, lots of fun, lots of fun. Now, here's the question. Will this appeal to my... You know, Indian, African, Asian, uh, international students come to this country who, of course, you know, we want to make them feel some sense of identity with uh, Northampton and Northamptonshire. Um, I've, t- I've taken students in the past and, and a couple of the productions have been wonderful. I think the, um, oh gosh, uh, Tale of Two Cities was, mm. was, was superb. And I, you know, many said, oh wow, that was very emotional for them. But I've also been in once or twice and they just didn't get it. Uh, they didn't see the humour or, you know, the cultural differences were too great. So is Frog something that I can uh, take take my students to, do you think? Well, it's definitely, you can definitely bring them. I, I would say it's not um, the canon of British literature in the way that um, Tale of Two Cities might be. But what it is, is it's some of the best clowns in the country doing extraordinary physical theatre. And I think that can cross all cultures, it can cross those where English is not perhaps first language but uh, i think that kind of the physicality of mm. spy monkey i mean it's bonkers uh, so a lot of um, students may leave thinking gosh what what have i just witnessed but in terms of um being imaginative telling well, this is a classic greek comedy but telling you know an old story in a new way i think they'll they'll take lots from it the other thing that's brilliant about it is there's a number of performances where we have completely integrated um British Sign Language. So it's not that there's a signer on the side of the stage, but they're completely integrated with the production. And that for us is really key in terms of opening the production up to an even broader audience and those that might not access work in other ways, but making it really creative and really innovative in the way it's done. Um, So we're excited. We're excited to see that come to bear as well. Well, that's very impressive, and I can use all that into, in fact, get the students to listen to the radio and take this clip, right, and uh, to help uh, promote it, because we'd like to take a group of them there. I always think that, you know, going to the theatre just does touch into the human psyche, all of our different emotions. And, of course, from a management perspective, you know, you want people to to realise that we have emotions, we have feelings, uh, and, you know, we have flaws, because theatre often shows that people have flaws, of course, as well, right? It really does. I also think there's something about the collective experience with other audience members and sitting together, seeing something that you know is in a form that only you have seen in that in that moment. I think there's something really special about that kind of collective experience. You know, the things that go wrong on stage, the things that go right on stage, where the laughs happen, you know, that's so unique to that experience. And certainly one of the things we learned during the pandemic that people missed the most was that kind of sense of, you know, being in amongst a group, um, yeah. sharing that experience. Yeah, now let's look, continue to look back then a little bit. Last year, so good year, bad year, key highlights, challenges? Uh, really good year, really good start of the year, kind of some fantastic um, shows, audiences returning, lots of loyalty amongst audiences, lots of audiences coming through kind of three or four times across the year, which is really brilliant for us to see. Um, and then obviously the autumn became a bit more challenging because of the discovery of um, rack, the concrete that has been causing uh, so many schools and hospitals mm. um, such concern. So that for us, meant immediate closure in September while uh, investigation work um, took place. And so what that also did was kind of put a halt on on ticket buying uh, from some people who were obviously nervous about the fact that we were we were closed, how long would be closed for. And there was a lot of um, 
we had to employ a lot of the same tactics as we had during the pandemic. We had to contact promoters to move shows, you know, to kind of delay them. We wanted desperately to go ahead with um, so many of those productions, but we just ha had to make sure we could do that at a later date. Um, and audiences were brilliantly patient with us. You know, they kind of moved their tickets with us. They, you know, accepted perhaps they weren't going to come until 2024 rather than 23, as they were hoping. And everyone was fantastically supportive. Um in in bearing with us um, and we just had to find a new way of opening and um, many people that have been to the building adrian in the last few months will have seen that we're in a, a bit of a different form um mm. than we were previously there's there are elements of scaffolding around the building there are new entrances and exits that we've had to create to make sure that we keep people um completely safe and that we keep all of our fire routes completely appropriate and that kind of thing um so it is a bit different and again people have have bared with us they you know you receive an email before you attend and it kind of says oh can you come in x y and z entrance and can you use x y and z bar and x y and z toilets and things and we've had to be a bit prescriptive like that just to make sure everyone has a comfortable experience um and it's been great and you know in some ways it's been lovely because with the royal in particular you know obviously it was built in the 1880s and to some extent we've had to go back to its kind of origins and people accessing the building in the way that it, people would have done um you know in the in the late 19th century which is kind of brilliant really and i know lots of people have been very nostalgic about um their previous experiences when they used to attend the royal perhaps as children oh i remember when we came in this way and oh, i remember when the bar was there and all things that obviously have evolved over time um but have, uh, yeah so had some real nostalgia about about reaccessing elements of the royal that perhaps they haven't seen for some some period of time when will uh, so, it get, yeah. when's it going to get back to to so-called normal then so we're just waiting on um, so a final set of results. So at the moment, it's completely safe. And everybody that comes in the building, so once you're in the auditoriums, you don't know any difference. It's only those entrance ways and exits, really. And yeah. what we were just waiting is for the final set of results that are going to tell us um, effectively what kind of this concrete it is and whether or not there are some mitigations. So there's some kind of clever... Um, bracing as it's called that can sort it out or whether or not it will need replacing um and then we just start to program what that looks like but we're not anticipating any more closure and we're anticipating being able to do that whilst we're operating and do it safely so um so no need to worry go along and enjoy the same because on the stage in the auditorium absolutely top class experience There's, you don't see absolutely any of this right. yeah and it's just bearing with us as i say that the the lose perhaps aren't what what um, people are used to or they have to use a specific bar over others but gosh the experience over over panto um that tests it the most you know in mm. terms of the audience <laughs> type and how busy it is and it's held up really well um you know so yeah i'm, I'm very encouraged as to what this spring could and but could and will look like glad to hear it now since we last spoke i think you've also had uh, a relatively new leadership team in place any uh, anything you'd like to share with us there in terms of news Yes, absolutely. So um, our previous artistic director, James Dacre, uh, moved on after 10 years in post, which obviously is a, gosh, he achieved so much in that decade. It's a really long period of time. And uh, we've welcomed Jesse Jones uh, to the organisation as our new artistic director this autumn. Um, Jesse's fantastic. He is um Gosh, he's just brought such energy with him. Um, he uh, was with the venue about eight years ago in a slightly different form when he was um, a director 
Um, he was on a kind of supported placement scheme as a director uh, and worked with the venue on a on a number of different shows. So he really understood Northampton and was really excited by it. So um, he when he applied, he was just so brilliant in talking about um, Northamptonshire's communities and its audiences and what he felt like he wanted to bring um, for the town as well as for the venue. That real sense of us as a theatre that serves um, its community. So some gosh, some really exciting things. So unfortunately, he arrived as the rack was discovered so it was a slightly um disjointed first few months but gosh we're all looking forward to a new a new year now uh where we look ahead um start planning what his first big season of new shows will look like so they're going to be the shows that we make in the theater so they'll be the kind of ones where he will commission uh, plays to be written he will find other scripts and productions that he's keen to do he'll find new partnerships um and they'll all be uh work through so spine monkey is is a show that was already programmed um so the the frogs that i've been talking about is sort of the end of uh the our previous artistic director's tenure so we're looking forward to the mm. kind of later on in 2024 where we start to produce more of jesse's work and kind of take us into our next our next era we've also got a brilliant um woman join us holly gladwell who is uh, actually deput- deputising for me now. She's the deputy CEO, but she heads up our, all of our producing and programming. So she's looking kind of very strategically across the Durngate Auditorium, across the Royal Auditorium, looking for the types of shows that we're programming, how we're developing audiences, how we're looking after artists, um, how we're supporting local artists as well as emerging artists across the region, um, as well as nationally, and sort of bringing basically the biggest and the best to Northampton so that people can look in their brochure when it arrives and feel that quality of those big, big West End shows um, that are visiting us, like you described, Ogian, as a hosting venue, but also seeing those ones that we're making and kind of going, do you know what? I, I trust Northampton. The, the quality of what they produce is so good we're gonna give frogs a go or give whatever the new season of jesse's productions are a go i think Mm. people will really find something to 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 challenge them like they say to kind of um think about their kind of emotional reaction but real entertainment that's what jesse's all about it's kind of everybody having a lot of fun um (laughs) well he's worked with a, a company for a long time called wardrobe ensemble and we have produced their work before and it's what it is is kind of really warm hearted and funny and some of it's quite political but kind of currently funny and yeah i'm really gosh i'm so excited about about what his first season will look like oh so satire and irony and all those sort of things yeah and humor humor in the disastrous or wonderful state we find the country exactly that exactly that (laughs) (laughs) oh that's right up my street well as a you know as a a big lover of theater and a big fan of the royal Durngate. Um, yes, to the listeners, you know, if you don't go, go. It is tremendous and it does transport you. It takes you away from the daily worries. You know, you see world from a different perspective, whatever it is, whether it's dance, music, um, or theatre, drama, or comedy, of course. Now, just tell us a little bit, uh, you know, but you, you have responsibility for the Royal Durngate here in town, Northampton, also, um, the core in, in the Corby Cube. So mm. in terms of, I don't know, scale or, you know, how many, how many seats one has or just, just the different perhaps strategy you have for those two venues yeah so um rolling down gate is obviously a lot about the work that goes on the stage but also has a uh, what we call a creative learning program so that's the work we do with schools and communities off the stage so 
that's, for example, our weekly youth theatre that might come, our uh, over 50s dance group or our play appreciation group or our director's play reading circle. Lots of kind of community activity that actually goes on in a way that perhaps people don't hear about quite as much as they might hear about you know, Greece being on the Derngate stage. Well, Corby um, takes that creative learning program and really, um, really develops it. So the one of our key um, outputs in Corby is about delivering those kinds of groups, whether that's workshops, whether it's ways of getting schools integrated, but also working with some of the real challenges in um, some of the areas of real need in the north of the county, thinking about particularly children and young people and how we raise the aspiration of children and young people, but how we also help to um, tackle some of the issues around poverty, around antisocial behaviour, um, which are very, very prevalent across the county, but kind of specifically in pockets around Corby. So there's lots of work in Corby, lots of brilliant programmes actually um, outreach, so work in communities going on, which is using art, using, um, gosh, songwriting in some instances, uh, kind of writing rhymes and raps and doing visual art, graphic art, lots of ways to get kids um thinking differently about their situation really kind of how what what teamwork means what kind of leadership means and and creating lots of different opportunities that's something we're really really proud of in Corby is all of that work that goes on I say particularly with children and young people which is our our focus over there but um we also have a program of shows over there we've got a 450 seat venue over there in the cube building um which as i say has just had cinderella or christmas it has a brilliantly varied one night program lots of cracking music acts lots of comedy uh some spoken word um we've got uh the rsc are doing a schools program over there at the moment um as are the royal opera house who are working with corby believe it or not to opera schools programs um in that space for young people to learn about opera so yeah gosh lots of exciting things mm. going on in corby and i say some that are similar to what people expect from roland Dangate and some that are are really quite different are quite well, different an, an even stronger social mission so less about a performance every night but much more about community engagement community support community exactly enlightenment yeah yeah and encouraging young people and local people onto the stage as well. One of the things we do in Corby that we're very proud of is quite how many local groups hire the space to put their own performances on, but also how we can take people perhaps from some of those outreach groups that people who have never thought that theatre was for them before mm. and take them from, you know, that kind of intervention to actually, well, maybe I will come into the studio space to, um, with my group to do a workshop. Oh, maybe I will have a look at what's on the stage. Oh, maybe I will come and try that. And for us, it's about those pathways as well for those people that, you know, can often, you know, theatre can often not be the most accessible, um, Mm. medium and i think for for corby and for roland okay one of the things is for us to say look this venue is for everybody you know we want everybody here and um so exciting potential yeah. i think for both spaces to be even more embedded in communities and and uh, like i say tackling the needs 
that exist in support of, you know, so many other brilliant charities that are, are already working in those spaces. Yeah, no, tremendous. A catalyst for so much. So in terms of, you know, I wanted to explore with you a little bit the uh, sustainability or ESG or all that sort of fancy stuff. But uh, from a social impact perspective, I mean, very strong. Obviously, the environmental impact, I would imagine, you know, waste, energy, water, you you manage and mm. monitoring those things. But, you know, just perhaps give us a bit of a flavor for the sort of sustainability ESG mm. approach that you take. So um there is a a sector-wide initiative called the Theatre Green Book and it was created completely independently by a group of venues who were kind of um, thinking long and hard about things like transport so when you're touring if you're touring a show the impact that you're having from a touring perspective on transport is enormous when you are building sets and you're not necessarily thinking sustainably in your building materials it, with some of the international tours the kind of the number of travel miles that are being clocked up there the kind of paper usage around scripts and things you know there's lots of different elements really as well as what hungry beasts big buildings like ours are in terms of electrical usage in terms of lighting rigs um and so the theater green book was designed there's a theater green book that deals with production which is the producing on creating of shows and one that does with deals with buildings what it means is we get great access to experts in the field where are those venues that are really leading the way from an ESG point of view where are they delivering um you know, uh, really exciting things in terms of reimagining. Um, and it's actually set some targets for us um, to do so. So we kind of want to prove that we are not a, a beginner. We're an intermediate from a Theatre Green Book perspective. That means we have to recycle a certain amount of material every year in our set construction. It means we have to share props with different venues across the country rather than buying new all the time. Um, so lots of kind of individual elements. We have to, from a building's perspective, commit to the reduction in consumption of um, of energy, you know, replacement of light bulbs, thinking about photovoltaics on the roof, you know, lots of this. So there's lots of kind of um, aspects, particularly from an environmental point of view, but it gives us a great framework and a great set of peers who mm. we can kind of test test each other and keep pushing each other on what, what we could achieve, as well as being involved in things like, you know, the university's initiatives from a local perspective to get everybody thinking really boldly about, how how we're all working towards that carbon neutrality that we're hoping to support each other mm. in all achieving by 2035, hopefully. Well, no, that's very clear um, on the environmental side. On the social impact side, do you, are you measuring that now? Is there a standardised approach to how to measure the impact? You know, obviously you've got uh, your stakeholders are the local authorities, um you know, and the arts council, yeah, the, that's, well, I mean, the arts yeah. council, yes, <laughs> yeah. But what's really interesting though is that kind of arts council are obviously very hot on that um, kind of social impact. So we have various measures that we have to report against to them as well as the local stakeholders, which is actually really useful for us, um, both qualitatively and quantitatively, capturing that information. Whether that's case studies from, you know. I've got, I've got one of my colleagues at the moment who started as a young person in our youth theatre about 13 years ago and is now, uh, you know, effectively running one bit of the operational element of the theatre, which is fantastic. And it's capturing some of, of those journeys, as well as the impacts of things like our schemes to get um, young people in watching uh, shows from areas that may have otherwise not previously engaged. and things. So lots of data 
lots of data crunching around um, access and postcodes as well as, as I say, some more qualitative. We've also got two brilliant um, forums. We've got a people's panel and a creative council who are uh, groups of people from the local communities. The creative council are a group of artists and people's panel are more broad uh, in terms of um, trying to represent those who are underrepresented in our audience and our creatives to sort of help us think about programming, help us think about our welcome to the theatres. Um, and they are very important for us thinking about, you know, social impact and the way we, um, the way we kind of pr- provide for our communities um, and make sure we're as broad and as accessible as, as possible. Mm, fantastic. So looking forward then, um, any particular highlight that you draw people's attention to? I mean, would that be one of the best ones coming that will sell out anyway? Or is it one of the ones you think needs a bit of a, a push? And then after that, Joe, what was the best thing you saw at any other theatre other than the ones that you managed last last oh, year? Very good. Uh, so uh, coming up, um, we have got some really big West End shows coming through the doors. So things like everybody's talking about Jamie, we've got Grease. There's also um, Life of Pi, which is quite one of the most stunning shows that I've seen. Um, mm. That for me wasn't one that I saw last year. I think one of the most extraordinary things I saw last year was um, Cabaret uh, mm. in London, which is the completely immersive um it's an absolutely extraordinary way of reinventing a musical. I thought it was absolutely unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I would encourage people if they like, you know, theatre of a, of a scale, but they like really rich storytelling, then Life of Pi, um, telling the story of the book, the story of the film, but also just the most exquisite puppetry. It's almost, if people have seen War Horse, mm-hmm. um, or versions yeah. of, I would, I would think that in terms of the scale and the beauty of the puppetry. Um, but then just some of the, the visuals are just absolutely spectacular on that. So that would be my, if I was going to pick a highlight and that is over the Easter holidays. So it's a really good, um, opportunity for people to, to see, um, if they're, if they're still around, particularly from a student perspective. Indeed. Do you get much chance to go and see other productions that other theatres do? I do. I try and go and see as much, particularly when we're thinking about programming things in for Northampton. Um, one of the team will try and get out and see things as much as possible. But we're also, because we are producing here, we're trying to keep abreast of like which artists, which actors, which lighting designers, which sound designers are really good and working at the kind of cutting edge in a way that we want to be. So quite often we'll go out to see shows specifically um, for those kind of reasons, because we're, you know, we want to go and watch, you know, lighting in action, for example. We also got a real thrill as a venue. We had a, a show that we produced um, about four seasons ago, which was called The Season. And it was a pre-Christmas um, show. It was about two, about a couple um, in New York. And it was one of the, the most special shows we've ever done in the Royal. But it, it's just been remounted in London at the Kiln Theatre. It's been retitled. It's got a very elaborate uh, title now about two strangers carrying a cake across London, it's called. <laughs> but um, it was it, absolutely extraordinary to see it again, see it done, see it with refreshed casting um to see it uh it's hopefully going into the west end as well and that that's really lovely for us to see the work that you know has been a an idea in northampton from a literally from a script on a desk in a northampton office to kind of playing at that kind of scale is is really exciting for us yeah very rewarding indeed but uh, so how do you relax do you read listen to music um go Um, and see plays I, i have um i have two busy teenage boys um so i spend quite a lot of time on the sidelines of various sporting activity at the weekend and i'll be honest
honest, that's what I love to do. I love being outside in the fresh air, whether it's a football sideline, a rugby sideline. Um, we're season ticket holders at the Saints as well. So we, um, spend quite a lot of time in Franklin's gardens. Um, but I also, I'm married to a, a Kiwi. So, you know, a lot of our lifestyle is quite outdoors and revolves around barbecuing, even in this weather. Um, <laughs> and, uh, kind of socializing really so um that's yeah that's part of what what i do what i do to relax i think last time you came on we talked about bringing the whole self the whole person to work and the atmosphere you were trying to create uh, with your colleagues is 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 that still a, a theme is that is that well embedded now it really is a theme. I think um, one of the moments I like across the week best is our, our Tuesday morning brunch that we have, which is a whole organisational brunch. And that's where everybody around that table, whether it's, um, you know, one of our box office assistants, whether it's me as CEO, whether it's our finance director, everybody just contributes something to that session, whether that's kind of their own experience of the weekend, whether that's something to do with work, what they're focusing on that week. And that's a real kind of opportunity to sort of touch point for everyone at the beginning of the week to kind of come together. And 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 the lovely thing for me, like you say, that bring your whole self is more and more that is, you know, this morning's, for example, we were talking about Red January, you know, the run every day January. And there's about three or four team members who've decided to take part in that. And they were talking about that at the brunch to get more people involved. There was two people talking about the battle they had at the staff party on air hockey last weekend. And, you know, it's, it's things like that, which I think just kind of add a, a level of camaraderie and, um, mm. you know, and, and focus, which I, I think is really useful in a, in a work environment. So, yeah, I'm very much still committed to that, that sense. Excellent. Well, you'd be pleased to know that um, the programme has certainly drawn my attention. So I've seen One Life and Ferrari in the uh, film house oh, already. Yes, very good. Very good. And I booked tickets, in fact, for part of the present for my wife uh, was um, three. Can you believe that? Three in one go. I must have spent a lot of money that night. Well done. But... Well done. <laughs> the it's mouse... lovely to see people back using the film house, though, and really enjoying it. Wonka's been phenomenal for us over Christmas. It's really been brilliant to see. Um, and mm. and One Life is, is um, about to smash all box office records, I think, for us um really? it's proving really popular proving yeah really no popular. well the good old uh, anthony hopkins of course Absolutely a fellow right. fellow welshman indeed doing very very well indeed um so yeah i'm going to see the mousetrap ranulf serena fins and shen yun so i'm looking oh very good to oh um, yeah enjoy i'll be really interesting to hear what you think it's the first time we've had shen yun through and um the scale of it is is quite um quite extraordinary so we're um it normally tends to to, to venues a bit larger than ours so we're kind of excited to see what all that spectacle on our stage will um will look mm. like it's really brilliant well i'm looking forward to it and i'm also going to go and see frogs with our students well joe thank you so much uh, for a very uh, upbeat message as always uh, articulate enthusiastic tremendous uh, social impact as i said at the very beginning a real community asset a jewel in the crown and two jewels in the crown the core at the corby cube and the of course two jewels in the royal and the derngate <laughs> two very separate uh, venues but really tremendous to hear from you many thanks indeed for coming on the show keep safe keep well keep up the great work and a happy new year N lives community notice board sponsored by voluntary impact northamptonshire supporting existing and helping to launch good neighbor schemes across northampton if you are struggling with financial hardship and the increased cost of living northampton hope center run weekly community food larders found in locations across northamptonshire you don't need a referral voucher to visit and can go every week the larders stock a range of discounted food and free fruit and veg there are three larders in northampton based at spencer working men's club on 
Wednesday mornings, the Hope Centre on Wednesday afternoons and Blackthorn Community Centre on Friday mornings. Other Larders can be found at Brixworth, Daventry, Woodford, Hulse, Brackley and Moulton. If you're struggling to afford food, please take advantage of the support available. NLive's Community Notice Board, sponsored by Voluntary Impact Northamptonshire, supporting existing and helping to launch good neighbour schemes across Northampton. To get your message on air, email noticeboard at nliveradio.com. 106.9 NLive. Anna, Seth and all the team invite you to join them for good times at the Royal Oak Naseby. Enjoy a fantastic range of beers, carefully selected wines and warm open fires. The Royal Oak's ever-changing seasonal menu means there's always something new to try and their Sunday roast is a must-try. Next time you're out walking or fancy a break from the kitchen, pop into the Royal Oak Naseby and let our family look after yours. See royaloaknaseby.com. Papa John's. Better ingredients, better pizza. Start the new year with a tasty big deal at Papa John's because throughout January you can treat yourself to any delicious pizza at Papa John's across Northampton and we'll give you a second pizza totally free. It's buy one pizza, get one free January at Papa John's in Northampton. So order now for collection or delivery and save at papajohns.co.uk. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey you. Yes, you there. Are you listening to this? Well, if you're listening, so are potential customers to your shop, business or service. Advertising on NLive is easy and good value. It's a great way to reach new customers, let them know about who you are and what you do. And radio advertising works. Radio has the power to entertain, educate and engage an audience. And with advertising on NLive, that same audience could become your customers. For more information, contact sales at nliveradio.com. When business owners, directors and key decision makers want to know what's happening in Northamptonshire, they turn to Business Times. Over 10,000 copies are delivered every month and the pages are filled with positive local business stories. Respected, trusted and always relevant. Business Times is the perfect way to get your business in front of the people that matter. So get Business Times working for you. Click business-times.co.uk. Business Times. Positive about business in North Hands. At NNBN, we support local businesses, charities and organisations. We bring local people together. We promote growth and success and we support our members. NNBN has a proven track record in helping members of our community get seen and be heard. It costs from just £20 a month to become a member and you'll benefit from advertising, events, engagement, support and money-saving discounts. If you're a local business, charity or organisation, join us today at nnbn.co.uk. Connecting Northampton, N Live. Like us on Facebook. What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the cabaret Put down the knitting, the book and the broom It's time for a holiday Life is a cabaret, old chum Come to the cabaret 
spray Come taste the wine Come hear the band Come blow your horn Start celebrating Right this way your table's waiting What good's permitting Some prophet of doom To wipe every smile away Life is a cabaret Oh chum So come to the to have this girlfriend known as Elsie with whom I shared four sordid rooms in Chelsea she wasn't what you'd call a blushing flower as a matter of fact she rented by the hour the day she died the neighbors came to snicker well that's what comes from too much pills and liquor But when I saw her laid out like a queen She was the happiest corpse I'd ever seen I think of Elsie to this very day I remember how she turned to me and said What good is sitting All alone in your room Come Hear the music play Life is a Cabaret Old chum Come to The cabaret And as for me And as for me I made my mind Back in Chelsea When I go I'm going like Chelsea Start by admitting From cradle to tomb It isn't that long a It's only a cabaret old chum And I love a cabaret Well, great to hear from Joe Gordon. Always good to chat with Joe. And I hope you also detected a very positive, upbeat message there and a fascinating insight into the theatre, uh, the two, the three, the four, the three theatres, the Royal and Durngate, of course, here in Northampton, and the Core at Corby Cube. Now, there's a tongue twister if ever there was one, and I was, uh, I hadn't quite realised the extent of social, uh, community engagement and social value and social impact that um, the Core does. Fascinating, though, insights indeed, and I hope you enjoyed that song by Lisa Eliza Minnelli from Cabaret, one of the plays Uh, performances that Joe had seen that particularly impressed her and that was the title song from the musical and the film indeed. Right, next up we have Rian Williams who is a PR and marketing specialist serving um, her clients which are charities and businesses etc but this time she's gone and put herself onto the national stage got national attention over 4 million views to uh, one or two TikTok videos that she did um, as produced recently about the film currently doing the rounds Saltburn which is set in Northamptonshire 
Now, before hearing from Rian and this wonderful, lovely story for the new year, um, you know, what she's doing is uh, clearly self-promotion. So I thought you might like this corny link and following on from the showbiz theme, this lovely song from, and an oldie, from David Essex with um, Rian, going to make you a star. Oh, is he more, too much more than a pretty face? It's so strange the way he talks, it's a disgrace. Well, I know I've been out of style for a short while, but I don't care how cold you are, I'm coming home soon. Well, here we are in Northamptonshire, for many of us, the centre of the universe, the centre of the UK, of course, hence the logistics, but um, also a county that perhaps uh, is, you know, people drive through it on the M1, and there's so much to offer as we try to highlight on this show. Well, I'm delighted that we've had some national attention recently, and, and uh, very much from, would you believe it, a PR and marketing um, specialist, Rian Williams, who's the founder of Be Better Known, and... Um, she usually writes to me to promote a cause or a charity or a client, but this time she's written to say that she has made it into national news indeed. So, Rian, welcome to the show. Firstly, Happy New Year. Did you have a good Christmas? 
Um, Happy New Year, Adrian. Um, Thanks for having me on. Yes, I did have a nice Christmas, thanks. But it seems like a distant memory now that I'm sure most people are saying that. Yeah, no, it is indeed. But anyway, um, you had an exciting time then because, well, yeah, tell us what happened. How come you've got to national attention? Yeah, so I, I mean, as a business owner in Northamptonshire, I couldn't help but go and have a look at Drayton House once I found out that Saltburn is actually was filmed there. Um, so I hopped in my car and went along on New Year's Day to have a look. And there's a public footpath that goes up through the estate. So me and my husband walked up through there and had a look. And that's where I made my TikToks and kind of came home and edited them and uploaded them. And they, you know, for want of a better phrase, went viral. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So just firstly, tell us Saltburn. That's a film that's going doing the rounds at the moment. Um, what's that about? Yeah. So Saltburn, it's a dark comedy and psychological thriller and it explores the themes of wealth and privilege, um, uh, you know, obsession and desire. And it follows um, a first year undergraduate student called Oliver Quick. Don't worry, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, <laughs> but he goes off to the University of Oxford and doesn't really have any friends to begin with. But then he meets Felix, who's very, very popular and very, very wealthy. And after their first year at uni together, Felix invites Oliver back to his ancestral home home of Saltburn for the summer. And that's what the film's about. And Saltburn is, in fact, Drayton House near Lowick in Northamptonshire. Which part of Northamptonshire? I don't know it, so forgive my ignorance. Lowick. Yeah, which is near where? Um, well, it's not that far away from Kettering. Thra- Thrapston's probably the closest area that people, uh, closest town that people will know. Okay, so Saltburn is a film, dark comedy. Uh, apparently it's got some, um, well, don't watch it with your parents, I think we were saying offline. So a couple of risque moments, but yeah, yes. very interesting. And there it is featured in uh, Drayton House. So um, what was the, you know, what did, what did you try to capture when you took your TikTok? Yeah, so I think, I mean, I've been working, you know, as a PR and marketing consultant, I've been working with TikTok for the last couple of years, helping charities and businesses get to grips with the platform and reach more people on the platform. And so I had a good idea about, you know, what would make a good TikTok. But I mean, that's just the sort of first starting point, really. You've obviously got to know how to uh, record it and how to importantly edit it so that it captures people's, you know, people's attention. So even before I went there, I had a very clear idea about what sort of TikTok I wanted to create. And I knew I wanted to take, um, create two, two separate TikToks, which is what I did. I even had in my mind already what music I wanted to use, um, basically kind of how long I wanted them to be, et cetera. And that's just from having worked, you know, as I say, with TikTok for a couple of years now. Well, now, TikTok, is that the one that disappears after so many days? Uh, no, that's Snapchat, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a Snapchat um, guru, so I, but I think that's what, what you mean, yes. TikToks right. don't disappear. Okay, and uh, TikTok, is there sort of, you know, maximum number of characters like Twitter or X, or is there a time limit, or is there an art to this, which is high impact? Short, but high impact is what you want. Get people's attention, no? That's exactly right. I mean, it's predominantly a short-form video sharing platform, so it really wants you to share portrait videos that, you know, full, fill the full screen. Um, it's obviously short form video has become hugely, hugely popular in the last, you know, year, two years. And I think it's because people sort of expect a front row seat to people's lives. And, you know, you can be flicking away sort of on TikTok or they're similar really to reels on Instagram and Facebook. And then suddenly you can be transported to, you know, a beach in the Maldives when it's a soggy, miserable 
you know, <laughs> December morning. So it's this whole thing that you can just see and get access to the world. And I think that that's just captured people's interest. And I think if you know how to use TikTok right, um, obviously it's more of a business to consumer platform but you know as I say to a lot of my clients you know business people are also consumers so if you can find a way to be able to um, tap into the zeitgeist to you know to create content that people are interested in that is suitable for TikTok then you know you can reap the rewards. Mm. Now was your TikTok were your TikToks about the film or about Drayton House or did how, how strongly did you make that link? Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the link was very strong. It, it said, you know, if you want to go and visit the Saltburn house, aka Drayton house in Northamptonshire, then, then here's how to, to find it. Mm. Um, so it was very deliberate. Uh, as I say, it was a public footpath. Um, so I felt that that was, you know, fair enough for people to, they have been inundated with interest, as you'd probably expect. And I have sort of been stressing that, you know, people do need to sit, stick to the foot path but i'm in touch with somebody that lives in one of the cottages on the estate and i've been in touch with him just to sort of make sure that you know it's been manageable and i had a few calls to take down the video um but you know i was in contact with him and he said it had been much busier during covid when someone put the walk through the estate on some sort of facebook group um and he said it was absolutely fine you know there was a few people which i think there always is that you know were <laughs> were, were trying their luck but the majority of people were on the footpath which is a bit set back from salt from drayton house so you know you can't get that close anyway okay so um who picked it up then how you know what national media have you been yeah yeah so the first one was the mail online um and they just picked it up from the tiktok that i put out and then the sun did as well and it was quite a good i mean there was there's been others that have picked it up subsequently i think i'm on the bbc news website today and i've done a couple of um regional local radio interviews over the weekend um but it's interesting because i think what it shows is um you know there's more and more journalists are looking on TikTok, but other social platforms as well, but they're looking on TikTok to pick up stories. And in fact, they use the comments that I'd posted in the TikTok. So like in the comments section as some of my quotes and what it really showed to me is, you know, I've always known that with TikTok, it's a publicly available platform and people could see what you're saying and doing. So that would have always been at the front of my mind when I was answering queries. But I was so grateful that, you know, I'd, I'd been sensible with how I'd managed that. And because, as I say, I mean, they could have, if I'd written something, I don't know, they could have used it. So, mm. so, does, so BBC have picked it up as well, yeah. Does Hollywood beckon then? Are you going to be called, you know, to, to Hollywood <laughs> to write or do their marketing and promotion for them or what? Um, I suppose I could dream. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it will get it will get quite like that. I think it just captured people's, you know, uh, you know, attention, and I it, and it was a a very slow news period of time. But then there's a moral in that story as well that at slower news times, it can be an opportunity for businesses and charities to kind of get their message out there more. So, um, you know, good learning from that as well. <laughs> No, indeed. Well, this is a, a you know a, a tremendous story. So you do this professionally. Your business, be better known, a PR marketing uh, agency. Um, w- you know what? What sort of uh, client profile do you have? 
Yeah, I work with lots of different organisations. Um, I am based here in Northamptonshire, but we do work with clients nationally. Um, uh, we work sort of PR, marketing and content creation. I mean, I've worked in PR and marketing for over 25 years and it was just a really great opportunity to sort of start working on a more varied portfolio. So it's everything from small, medium-sized businesses um, and charities, social enterprises, that that kind of thing. Okay, and you used to work at the university, a colleague of mine, of course, in the marketing team there, yeah? Yeah, I did. I worked at the University of Northampton for, well, I think it was nearly five years. Um, I left the year before you opened the Waterside campus, but I was, you know, there right through that period of building, uh, when, you know, you, the, they were building Waterside and we were marketing, uh, a campus that didn't exist that we had to find a way to be able to showcase a product. Cause at the end of the day, with the commercialization of university places, that's what it was, a service, a product without actually the product being available. And we had to really innovate to find ways to do that. Um, so, yeah, so that was great experience as well. So um, how do people find this? Because the probably listeners are saying, where is it? How do we find it? So how do you direct people to the TikTok? So my TikTok's at Be Better Known. So if you, you know, go into TikTok and search that, I should come up. But also, I was mentioning before that, um, TikTok's a very search engine optimized. In fact, a lot of y- the younger generation are using platforms like TikTok as search engines. So actually, if you go onto TikTok and type in Saltburn House, my one of my two videos should come up fairly near the top um, because of how SEO works on the platform. Mm. Now, forgive my ignorance again. Um, is it, does this need a hashtag? Uh, can it get circulated? Can you can you sort of migrate from TikTok all of a sudden? I can see it on Instagram or or LinkedIn. Um, yeah, you can share to other platforms. Um, my advice would always be to create natively in the 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 platform you're in. So, for example, you know the the, the Saltburn video that I made that was on TikTok is on my Instagram. But, you know, I downloaded it and recreated it in Instagram rather than just sort of sharing it because it doesn't like it when it's got, you know, different platforms, watermarks on it. So that would be my advice. Just sort of go in and create it again in the platform you want to be in. But, yeah, you can. Other people could share it. It's been shared thousands of times. Really? Um, Do you know where in the world people are watching it? Um, mainly um, UK and America. That's where Saltburn, as in a film, has been, um, you know, the biggest hit. Mm. What's interesting is 60% of the viewers are under the age of 24. Mm. Um, so I can see that in the analytics in TikTok. And I understand how to sort of use those analytics to kind of interpret what I'm doing. And it's interesting, again, from a business perspective, because that isn't going to essentially drive you know, my business, because the majority of clients I get probably wouldn't be in that age profile. So again, that's why thinking about using social media strategically always pays to have a plan. I mean, with this Saltburn one, I just enjoyed making it, you know, I'd always, my strategy with TikTok has always been to try and have a bit of fun as well with it. Um, But yeah, they're under the age of 24, 60% of the people that have viewed them. (laughs) Really quite uh, fascinating. Okay, so... um you are Northamptonshire born and bred, is that correct? That's right, yes. I was um, born in Northamptonshire and lived here for the first 18 years of my life, uh, then went off to university, etc., and then lived and worked in London for um, about 10 years, worked for a government department, and then I moved back to Northampton in, in 2008, where I've been a proud resident ever since. Excellent. And you were clearly wanting to showcase some of the hidden jewels and hidden treasures that we have in the county. I mean, the county, we have the Northampton Britain's Best Surprise. 
Um, many people drive through, you know, on the M1, but in fact, we have a very, very proud heritage and so many different places to see and beautiful scenery as well, which many people compare, you know, parts of Northamptonshire to the, to the Cotswold. So was, was part of your motivation to, uh, to promote the county? I mean, I think as a business owner in Northamptonshire, you know, it's brilliant to see this sort of hidden corner as a lot of people, a lot of people that have engaged with my TikToks just didn't know that it was there. They certainly didn't know Saltburn was um, filmed there. The house isn't open to the, to the public. It's a private house and a family live there. So therefore people don't know about it. And I think, you know, the, the film is such a stunning, it's so beautifully shot and it shows Drayton House and the estate in all its glory. And I think, yeah, like you say, you know, often Northamptonshire get, gets overlooked in favour of places like the Cotswolds and um, Cornwall, when in fact, you know, we've got stunning countryside on our doorstep and even just the drive out there from Northampton as we were going through like Lowick and stuff, I just thought to myself, you know, this is really, really beautiful. Mm, no, indeed. Now, what's um, your business website then? You've told us how to find you on TikTok, um, but do you have a business website? Yeah, it's bebetterknown.co.uk. And if anyone wants to get in touch, either about TikTok or anything else, I'm just Rianne at Be Better Known, so drop me a line. Rianne, that's R-H-I-A-N? R-H-I-A-N, at, yeah. At bebetterknown.co.uk. Co.uk. Well, there we go. You know, she's supposed to be working to promote her clients, but unashamedly (laughs) promoting herself and getting on. (laughs) Well, I only did because it had been picked up by some sort of national news. And I I thought it was just really interesting how it had made the leap from, you know, TikTok into the sort of news agenda and being a PR professional at heart. You know, I just found, find that process sort of quite fascinating and how it kind of, yeah, how it developed from there. <laughs> well, certainly good advert for your services that you know what you're talking about. So, Rian, a lovely story um, to start the new year off, I have to say, when I saw it. I haven't seen the film. I had read about it, actually, and I thought, <laughs> oh, that's one I must go and see. And I didn't I didn't know that it was made. It's on the- Amazon Prime, if you've got that. Okay, so I I didn't know it was made in Northamptonshire, but I think it's a lovely story and uh, well done you indeed. I mean, uh, <laughs> you, you've you. you've you've got a Welsh name, and I know we've talked before about uh, connections to Wales, and of course I'm still basking in the wonderful glory of Wrexham, now a city, <laughs> you know, owned by two Hollywood actors. I keep pinching yeah. myself. This can't be true for a boy <laughs> from Wales to have seen this. So anything that gets national attention brings a bit of light relief to what is sometimes a dismal time of the year and a dismal yeah. economy. And, and I hope that it will, um, you know, bring some positive vibes and things to the village of Lowick as well. I mean, I have it on very good authority that the village hall was selling tea towels on Sunday to the tune of Murder on the Dance Floor by Sophie Ellis-Bexter, which I don't know if you know, but that's a song that's in the film that has now charted in the top 10 for the first time in 22 years and i think it's number one in the united states so they were selling tea towels to murder on the dance floor (laughs) i hope they made a killing brilliant let let me share this little thing with you too so i was up in wrexham sadly for my my dad uh passed so i was with my sister we thought we've got to do some light relief here so of course with wrexham well let's go to the wrexham fc shop so we went to the wrexham fc shop and if anybody's watched the disney plus uh, series yeah. they've got the pub that's built into the race course ground and it's called the turf and there's a guy there has become quite a star on the on the disney plus series wayne who is the landlord so you know my next
next thing, Nina, my sister and I. Right, let's go to the turf and see if we can find this guy, Wayne. And we went in, and God bless him. Sadly, he wasn't there. It was packed out. And even the turf has now got its own merchandising in terms of a lovely hat <laughs> and a T-shirt. I thought, good for you, mate. You know, ride that horse as long as you can. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, wonderful. Well, Rian, as always, a great pleasure to talk to you. Keep sending yeah, me thanks, stuff. thanks, Adrian. We won't use it all the time, but every so often I think, wow, that's nice to share with our listeners. So keep safe, keep well, keep up the good work. If you'd like to get in touch with Rian uh, at Be Better Known, she's the founder of Be Better Known PR and marketing agency. You can do that at Rian at Be Better Known co.uk and you can search in all the social media but in particular on tiktok to see what has drawn the attention of the mail and the sun and many other people worldwide what a lovely story uh Rian, take care see you soon thanks a lot happy new year
Many thanks to Rian Williams for a lovely story about how she has generated national attention for herself. So she proves she can do it, and I guess she can do it for her clients too. Um, Rian, who is the founder of Be Better Known, and goodness me, um, does does it doesn't it say? Doesn't it do what it says on the tin? Well, a couple of uh, good songs. Um, now, we've just heard from Bruce Bing Springsteen with Glory Days, and I guess that Rian is basking very much. A lot of radio interviews she's doing this week, basking in the glory days of her TikTok. And coming up next, um, another great star with a lovely song, really. Now, this one is linked to my next guest, Councillor Fiona Baker, one of our county councillors. And uh, she is responsible for... Um, children's services in the county and I thought that you know with a shared mission as I chair a couple of children's charities and we're about making you know every child have a happy life and of course clearly very often the state and the local authorities have to intervene to improve the lives of young people so one of the things that looking for a song that perhaps has a little bit of pathos in it um, I thought you might like this one um, from Billy Joel Entitled My Life. Got a call from an old friend, we used to be real close. Said he couldn't go on the American way. Closed the shop, sold a house, bought a ticket to the West Coast. Now he gives them a stand up routine in LA. I 
Coming towards the end of the series of interviews with the um, county West Northants councillors that have got uh, cabinet responsibility, and today it's a great pleasure to welcome Councillor Fiona Baker, who's the cabinet member for Children, Families and Education. Fiona, welcome. This is being recorded just before Christmas, so thank you for taking the time and trouble to um, to to do this call, this interview just before Christmas. How are you, and are you ready for Christmas? I guess is the first question. Um. Very pleased to be here, Adrian. I, I can't say I'm ready for Christmas, but I think that's probably something we all say, isn't it? That men at the last minute, it all seems to fall into place. So I'm fine. Thank you very much. Well, this will be airing of January, so we will uh, at the end do a, a happy New Year and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, um, children, families, and education—that's a big area of responsibility. Am I right? It's one of the biggest or largest budgets within the council's total budget. Um, it isn't the biggest budget. The biggest budget is the adult social care budget because there is a, a huge amount of um, elderly people that have demands on that budget. But we are the second largest, um, but it's a very, very demanding um, area of work, which covers a lot of different um, aspects of the lives of children and families. Yeah, I think we should go into those in a second. But just perhaps let's start with, with you. How long have you been a councillor for, But either in this incarnation or in the previous county council? I've kind of lost track a little bit. But I think about 16 years or 17 years ago, I became a councillor for Brackley Parish Council um, when it was um, probably towards the end of the time when I was giving up work myself. And thought I needed, I'm not a person that can sit around and do nothing. And I moved from a country house into the town. Um, and I was so appalled by the state of the road near where I was going to live that I thought I needed to join the council and speak to them about the roads. But um, it sort of started in the parish and went on from there, really. Okay. Are you still a councillor in one of the parishes or, or wards? Or? Yes. Yeah. I'm still a Brackley town councillor. Okay, yes. and have the, have, have the potholes got any better? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem is that I live on a road that's not a bus route, so that doesn't really help. <laughs> no, it doesn't get the priority, I guess. And uh, what, yeah. other than the potholes, what else sort of um, motivated you to want to get involved in local politics? Well, I think I don't think I was motivated in the beginning. I think I had a very good friend who was a councillor at the time and she told me about a vacancy um, that they were having and um, she said they needed sort of doing people, which she obviously felt that I was. So that's how it started. I, I didn't really have an ambition before to be in local politics. I'd always led a very busy life working. Um, we had a, an advertising and PR agency in Cheltenham which was very, very busy. Um, but I just, as I say, I wanted to uh, 
to do some good for the world. And I thought that was the good place to start. Mm. And the, and the um, agency, you sold that or you're no longer involved yes. with that? Yeah? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so you do have uh, prior uh, real world or life experience that, you know, out, and business experience outside of the uh, the council, which I think is, is reassuring, isn't it, in many ways? Yes. I think it's very important that councillors have that, actually. It is a learning curve when you come into the council because life moves much more slowly than those of us who are in business are used to. So that is a big learning curve that we all have to work through um, because there's various boards you have to go to for approval things. And then there's cabinet and council before you can get a yes to do something, which obviously in, in business doesn't happen. You know, it's very much more quick thinking and active. So it is a different way of life, really. Yeah, it must take a big adjustment. I think it's the same for me coming into the university from outside. You know, having worked with Americans when it was like do it yesterday in yes. the university, we yeah. have a, and it's public money and I understand why, but we do have a lot of checks and balances and you do sometimes wonder, are they just perhaps one step too many? You know? Yes. And it is frustrating sometimes when you're really trying to do something that you think is really important and you think, why are we still not doing that? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Now, 16 years, that's, that's a long um, service indeed. And you've, yes. had a, you've had a challenging uh, portfolio. Have you always been associated with effectively children, families and education? No, I, start, I moved from um, my next step up in the council role was to become a, a district councillor at South North Ants where actually I was chairman of the planning committee. So I do know a lot about planning, but they don't do children's services there. Um, I stood for election for Northamptonshire County Council during the last term of the council. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I won my seat there to represent Brackley for Northamptonshire County Council. And I worked as an assistant cabinet member for adult services at the time. Um, and I, I was asked to take over the children's role when you will remember that dark day when Northamptonshire were declared inadequate and not keeping children safe. So around that time, I was asked to take over that role. Um, and I did think it would be a big challenge, but I will explain to you why I felt that I might be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, it's because I personally, in my personal life, had a, a child with... Um, cerebral palsy, which is a, a really debilitating physical disability. <clears throat> so I had lived that life. My son has now passed away, but um, he lived a really good life and a very active as much as he could life. So I've actually used all the services and lived the life. So I really felt that I could be a very empathetic person to those people who are in those situations. Well, I think thank you for sharing that with us. That's that's very um, powerful, as you say, the lived experience on the other side, yes. if you will, from the <clears throat> county council services. So I'm sure that's reassuring for many people. Um, the you know how in general do cabinet officers get selected then in terms of responsibilities? Is it put your hand up because you think, or somebody thinks that you could do it, or you know, I mean, same with central government, I guess we do yes. see a lot of chopping and changing. And sometimes, you know, my wife was a teacher. Sometimes she thinks, well, does the minister of education have they ever worked in education? Have they ever taught? You know. <laughs> yes. No, I understand. No, I don't think. I know that um, our council leader will tell you that people will contact him and say, I think I'd be very good at doing such and such. But I think there's probably a group of people who are in leadership at the time that see how you are, see how you work and assess you as a person to see whether you would 
fit in and do what they think would be a good job, really, because it, it can be a very member. Yeah. Well, you, you so you took on the role in the old county council. We have had, sadly, some cases that have got national attention and... Um, you seem to always have been the one that's a public face when the, you know, the so-called uh, hits the fan. Yeah. Um, that must be quite tiring and, and draining for you. Now, how, how have you coped with, with that? Because, and we'll talk about the progress being made since, but I mean, you know, it's not been once or twice. It's been several times, sadly, it's been on the national news. I mean, how do you cope with that, having to face up to, you know, serious issues? It is a very challenging role to have. And as lead member, that's the role <clears throat> that I've undertaken. Um, and I am the person who's named on all of the press releases that go out. We do send out a lot of good things, but they don't kind of get the same in priority as some of the most more serious issues that happen. And mm. I understand why that is. I think the thing to do is, uh, obviously, the first one that happened, it was horrific. And I thought I was very challenged by various media people um, and really did feel it was my fault. But actually, it isn't. There are a lot of people in the world that are actually should not be involved with children in any way at all. And it's really difficult for any service to have complete control and eyes over what's going on every single where in the county. Mm. Um, and the, these cases, unfortunately, I'm very sorry to say, do happen all over the country. It's not just here. Uh, our services are designed to do the very, very best they can to mitigate those circumstances. And our social workers have a a really hard task of de making decisions that, um, you know, can be life or death for some children. Um, mm. And it is a really difficult position to be in. I just try to look at it in a, a cool and calm way and think it, it it's not personal, but it's really difficult not to take that so. And I, I really feel for the families of all of those children and the circumstances that they've been in. We've, we've got some people living in really, really challenging situations. Mm. I mean, how close are you <clears throat> to the issues and the operational side? Because obviously you... You have to answer as the elected official, but you know should mm. should or are the officers um, should they be up there on the TV sort of under the grilling because they in theory much closer to it now. They are much closer to it, but unfortunately, that's not the way that local government operates. It's it always is in all over the country. The lead members that speak on these matters, the elected person that's there to represent the public, they're the person that always speaks out on that. Um, and as you've said earlier, I am not operation at all. And in fact, sometimes I will get into trouble um, by my uh, chief executive for, for being operational or forgetting I'm not operational when I think I can just pop in and do something, which is not my role at all. My role is to investigate, oversee, challenge and look at everything they do. And I can do that anywhere in service. Um, and it is a huge task. And I do do it as much as I possibly can, but I'm not the person sitting at the desk on the phone, going out to visit families, et cetera, et cetera, and making these decisions. All I can do is to put in place what I think are the safeguards for those social workers working and hope that we've done, we've got all the things in place that support them in the job that they're doing.
Mm. So when we had the old county council, clearly it had financial challenges. And interestingly, in the last few days, I think we've got another 10 or 12 local authorities that are, are they close? Is it section 144? Yes. So, you know, I always thought was Northampton the canary in the, um, in the mine after years of central government austerity. But one of the, you know, so one of the issues was the, the overall finances. The other was clearly the, um, the children's services. So to what extent did the change to unitary, has it changed at, you know, the front line level of the, the staff and the officers? I mean, has there been radical change in both the, 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 the organization as a whole, but also in your areas? There has been change, but it hasn't been radical in a way. And I, I'll just explain. But the the finances is the one one four, which is the, uh, the which means that the legal officer has to say that we're not going to be able to balance the books. That's not happening here. I just want to say that now. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, really, the challenge that every council has is that we are demand led services are what puts people over the top of their budget. And that will be the adults and the children's social care, because we have to have an open door to everybody that comes along. And we have challenges all the time with um, unaccompanied asylum seekers, various other things that come flooding through our door that we have to provide support for. And it's not something you can budget for to a, a fine degree because you don't know how many of those you're going to have. We can make a rough guess of how many when we're putting forward our ask for a budget. But then all of a sudden we can have 20 unaccompanied asylum seekers turn up, which has to be housed and looked after, et cetera, et cetera. So and we can have some situation where a family gets into trouble with the law and the police may arrest the parents and then we've perhaps got three or four children that have to come into care. It's not something you can predict in that way. So it's always going to be a bit of um, a grey area as to actually balancing the books in those areas. We can't sort of put a sign in the window that says we're closed. We're always open and we have to take in any child that it needs safeguarding and that's the situation that we're in. Okay, so demand-led, and you just can't, it's, it's not easy to identify the demand. So the areas that you cover is children, families, and education. Let's look at the children then. What what are the, the sort of elements that is direct responsibility of the council? Because I know, obviously, we have a children's trust. So perhaps you can just explain, you know, what does the council do? What does the children's trust do? How do they work together? Okay, well, the, the government, as you know, decided that we because we weren't keeping children safe in that way, that they would put us into intervention, which means we have to have a trust, which means that really um, we are overseen by the Department of Education still. They sit on all our boards and they are there in the background of all our meetings to make sure that we're they're keeping an eye on us to make sure we're doing what they consider to be the right thing, which I think we are doing at the moment. So the trust is joint because, as you know, we've split into two councils with gathering all those others together. So the trust is run um, independently to a certain extent, but funded by the North and the West Northamptonshire councils. So we're the paying people and I am still the statutory lead member. That means the legal responsibility belongs to me and the DCS in our council and the lead member and the DCS in the North. So whatever happens there, legally, we're the responsible people. Um, the trust, our contribution to the trust um, is £84 million. That's just about 56% of the funding for the trust. The other proportion comes in from North Northamptonshire. 
um, we've got slightly more people living in our area than they have there, so that's how it splits up. But we have probably at least two or three meetings a month jointly with the North to oversee all of the areas that the Trust operates in to make sure that we are aware of everything that's happening. We have scorecards, we have KPIs, which are looked at regularly to make sure that we're <clears throat> all in, improving all the time. It is a long journey mm. um, because we started in a very poor place. Mm-hmm. But and this isn't some you can, I believe from people I've spoken to in other, com- in other counties, you can turn something around quite quickly, but it's not sustainable then. So what we really all decided to do was we wanted to start from the bottom up and make sure that whatever improvements we made, they were sustainable for the future. So if we get to good, which we hope we will do next time, then we want to stay there for the next time as well. We don't want to dip back down again. you know. So we want to put lots of things in place to make it a stable service. Mm. Now, just a couple of things. A DCS, what does that stand for? <coughs> Director of Children's Services. Okay. So both the West and the North have a Director of Children's Services, but yep. you, all your children's services are managed or run through the Children's Trust then. Is that is that correct? The looked after children, yes. So the children in care, um, the children with um, early help children, et cetera, et cetera, are all all those families with which we and the youth offending service, they're all in the trust. Okay. So what um aspects of you know children is handled directly by West North Hans then through the directors of children's services? Um Well directly on hands on we only deal with schools. Okay. and children's school places, etc. Well, we cut the interview there with Councillor Fiona Baker and we'll play the second part next week. It was a long uh, and in-depth in interview, 40 minutes indeed, and um, the podcast, when it comes out later this week, will feature the whole interview in one block. But for now, we will break and play the second part next week. We'll pick up from where we left off. Many thanks to Councillor Fiona Baker. And I thought we'd play a song now which does relate to some of the services that um, Fiona's area does cover, children and families indeed, in times of trouble. And I thought that this was appropriate to play Simon and Garfunkel with Bridge Over Troubled Waters. NLive's Community Notice Board, sponsored by Voluntary Impact Northamptonshire, supporting existing and helping to launch good neighbour schemes across Northampton. If you are struggling with financial hardship and the increased cost of living, Northampton Hope Centre run weekly community food larders found in locations across Northamptonshire. You don't need a referral voucher to visit and can go every week. The larders stock a range of discounted food and free fruit and veg. There are three larders in Northampton based at Spencer Working Men's Club on Wednesday mornings, the Hope Centre on Wednesday afternoons and Blackthorn Community Centre on Friday mornings. Other largest can be found at Bricksworth, Daventry, Woodford, Hulse, Brackley and Moulton. If you're struggling to afford food, please take advantage of the support available. NLive's Community Notice Board, sponsored by Voluntary Impact Northamptonshire, supporting existing and helping to launch good neighbour schemes across Northampton. To get your message on air, email noticeboard at nliveradio.com. 106.9 N Live. Papa John's. Better ingredients, better pizza. 
Start the new year with a tasty big deal at Papa John's. Because throughout January, you can treat yourself to any delicious pizza at Papa John's across Northampton. And we'll give you a second pizza totally free. It's buy one pizza, get one free January at Papa John's in Northampton. So order now for collection or delivery and save at papajohns.co.uk. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, you. Yes, you there. Are you listening to this? Well, if you're listening, so are potential customers to your shop, business or service. Advertising on NLive is easy and good value. It's a great way to reach new customers, let them know about who you are and what you do. And radio advertising works. Radio has the power to entertain, educate and engage an audience. And with advertising on NLive, that same audience could become your customers. For more information, contact sales at nliveradio.com. Take the next step to growing your business at Your Business Expo 2024. Set to be Northamptonshire's largest B2B exhibition, Your Business Expo is happening on February the 7th at Cywell Airdrome. It's the place to network, meet local vendors, and hear what our expert speakers have to say. Your Business Expo is a free-to-attend event with free parking. And if you're considering exhibiting, networking, or visiting, register now at yourbusinessexpo.co.uk. Your Business Expo 2024. Power by Business Times newspaper. When business owners, directors and key decision makers want to know what's happening in Northamptonshire, they turn to Business Times. Over 10,000 copies are delivered every month and the pages are filled with positive local business stories. Respected, trusted and always relevant. Business Times is the perfect way to get your business in front of the people that matter. So get Business Times working for you. Click business-times.co.uk Business Times. Positive about business in North Hands. At NNBN, we support local businesses, charities and organisations. We bring local people together. We promote growth and success and we support our members. NNBN has a proven track record in helping members of our community get seen and be heard. It costs from just £20 a month to become a member and you'll benefit from advertising, events, engagement, support and money-saving discounts. If you're a local business, charity or organisation, join us today at nnbn.co.uk. Connecting the people of Northampton. 106.9 N Live Radio.
N Live.
can't stop my happiness Cause I like the way I am And you just can't stop my knife and fork When I see a Christmas ham So if you don't like the way I look Well, I just don't give a damn Cause the world keeps spinning round and round And my heart's keeping time to the speed of sound I was lost till I heard the drums Till I found my way Cause you can't stop the beat Ever since this old world began A woman found out that she shook it She could shake up a man And so I'm gonna shake and shimmy It's the best that I can today Cause you can't stop the motion Of the ocean or the sun in the sky You can wonder if you wanna But I never ask why And if you try to put that down I'm gonna spit in your ISA But you can't stop the beat that one hopefully had you dancing around the kitchen table or at least tapping your toes maybe even singing out loud we haven't heard many of those today but that was of course uh, from hairspray you can't stop the beat and that was very upbeat i have to say that followed perhaps two so a couple of songs there before and after the, my interview with councillor fiona baker a little bit more reflective and um Hairspray followed Bridge Over Troubled Waters by Simon and Garfunkel. Many thanks to Councillor Fiona Baker for telling us about a very challenging portfolio that she has as a member of the West North Hants um, Cabinet, um, dealing with children's services indeed and trying to improve the lives of many people. 
Um, many thanks, though, to all my guests today. To Rian Williams with her wonderful story that's got national attention, her TikTok. Um, Rian Williams, the founder of Be Better Known PR Marketing, a PR marketing agency. And goodness me, doesn't she do what it says on the tin in terms of uh, certainly self-promotion and proving to her clients that she can get national attention indeed. Um, many thanks also to Joe Gordon, the chief executive officer of the Royal and Derngate Theatres and also the core at Corby Cube. Now, there is a tongue twister indeed and a fascinating insight. Thanks, as always, of course, to Martin Steers, the NLive radio station manager, for pulling the show together. Now, if you missed any of the in interviews or you'd like to hear them again, you can do so at nliveradio.com forward slash open for business, where four is the number four. That's nliveradio.com forward slash open for business business. Um, if you'd like to get in touch for any reason, whether you've got uh, somebody you'd like to nominate for the show, some feedback on the show, you'd like to be on the show, or indeed anything to do with the university in terms of any help for your business or you personally and your personal development, but you're not sure where to start, please do reach out to me. That's adrian.price with a Y at northampton.ac.uk. Adrian.price, A-D-R-I-A-N dot P-R-Y-C-E at northampton.ac. UK, UK. As always, it's been a great pleasure to bring this show to you. I hope you will join us again next week, same time, same place, 7 to 9 p.m. here on NLive Radio 106.9 FM, the station that loves Northampton and Northamptonshire, of course, and you can also hear it live digitally at nliveradio.com. Now, we're going to play out with um, two songs that I think will reflect a little bit show business, um, theme that we've had this evening in many ways and also uh, or, or, or show business and marketing and PR and also this sense of opportunity the sense of rising above lots of challenges that we might have and being resilient and a positive mental attitude and the two songs that I've chosen for you this evening are from The Greatest Show on Earth Kiala Settle with This Is Me and that is followed to play out um, take that with shine i hope you've enjoyed the show i hope you can join us next week many thanks for listening indeed and here we go to end the show two very powerful songs enjoy and good night i am not a stranger to the dark hide away they say because we don't want your broken parts i've learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, they say No one will love you as you are But I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious When the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm gonna send a blood, gonna drown them out I am brave to be. This is me. Look out, cause here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me.
gonna drown them out. This is brave. This is bruised. This is who I'm meant to be. This is me. N Live. You, you're such a big star to me. You're everything I wanna be. But just look in a hole. And I want you to get out. I don't know what there is to see. But I know it's time for you to leave. We're all just pushing along. Trying to figure it out. Pulls you down when you can have it all. You can have it all. Oh, so come on, so come on, get it on. I don't know what you're waiting for. Your time is coming, don't be late. Hey, hey, so come on, see the light on your face. Let it shine, just let it It's not good for your health. I know that you can change. So clear your head and come round. You only have to open your eyes. You might just get a big surprise. And it may feel good. And you might want to smile, smile, smile. Oh, don't you let your demons pull you down. Cause you can have it all. You can have it all. Coming, don't be late. Hey, hey, so come on, see the light. 
Lion Zone 106.9 N Live. From the Sky News Centre at nine. An announcement expected from Rishi Sunak tomorrow on government action being taken on the post office horizon scandal. Laws are being considered to speed up the quashing of 700 wrongful convictions. Lawyer Neil Hudgel says the recent ITV drama about it has galvanised people. We've had in excess of 100 people come forward since the weekend. Uh, many of those are actually, rather sadly, are relatives of people who've passed away. Of the Convicted people have come forward. We're at about 150 out of a total of 700. Very big cohort of people still to go. Armed men have broken into a TV station in Ecuador and threatened people live on air a day after the president declared a state of emergency. Violence has broken out after one of the country's most notorious drug gang bosses escaped from prison on Sunday. The Foreign Secretary says Israel might have breached international law in Gaza. Lord Cameron has also confirmed that two British nationals are still being held hostage by Hamas. Labour's efforts to force the government to reveal the full cost of the Rwanda deportation scheme have failed in a vote in the House of Commons. MPs will vote on a bill next week which aims to declare the country safe for the UK to send asylum seekers to. Shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper thinks the policy will come with a whopping bill. The Prime Minister is still going ahead with a scheme he doesn't believe in, doesn't think will work, knows is extortionately expensive because he is too weak not to. And you can see it in his face that he doesn't support it. He doesn't really believe it. A third person has been charged with the shooting dead of a man moments before midnight on New Year's Eve. Mark Webley, who was 38, was shot outside a pub in the Granton area of Edinburgh and later died in hospital. And a quick bit of sport. Middlesbrough have a 1-0 lead in the first leg of their EFL Cup semi-final against Chelsea. Hayden Hackney's first half goal has given the championship side the advantage at the Riverside Stadium. Both teams have won the competition in the past. That's the latest. I'm Simon English.